absolute pleasure to be joined by Angelica Georgopoulos there, Nathan. You know, really bright personality, fantastic. Um, could talk about football for ages. And, you know, it was an absolute delight having her on and, uh, a, you know, a future administrator to uh, look out for and, and an ambitious character. And it's great to see. Great to see someone like that, of that passion and, uh, and attitude involved in football in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have Angelica on. And you can tell from the interview that she is highly ambitious and highly passionate about football in this country and football globally as well. And yeah, it was great to have a chat with Angelica and uh, get her thoughts on the game. Uh, looking forward to having her on in future episodes, that's for sure. We should mention that we are recording late on a Thursday night and it's the 15th of June. And there is a matter of the Socceroos playing Argentina in Beijing that is about to kick off uh, in a few minutes here as we record. So forgive this, you know, forgive us from now if we happen to jump in during certain parts of the pod just to, you know, talk about what is happening over in Beijing because we'll be keeping an eye on that as Nathan is resplendent in his puke version of the Socceroos jersey. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> the, cla- the classic 1990-91 one. Yep. Oh, it's a, re- a, re- a vomit, rehashed version anyway. The rehashed vomit jersey. I think yep. it's, yeah. But, um, iconic Australian shirt. Iconic Australian jersey, no no doubt. Although the, that's a chat for another time, which is your favourite Socceroos jersey or, you know, slash Matilda's jersey. There's not too many that stand out as like a proper mm. iconic one. Yes, you've got a couple from like the big moments of that Australia have done things on the big stage. Mm. But the kit in and of itself, I don't mm. think any can beat this view shirt. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's hope that the Matilda's away jersey is the one that uh, is iconic and, you know, and, and remembered, you know, in a few weeks. But my thoughts, well, look, you're right. But I am, uh, you know, as you highlighted during our chat with Angelica, that I am an old bastard. And, <laughs> <A dinosaur. laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. Jeez, that was just downright rude, right? So I couldn't resist. Well, no, I know that you couldn't resist. <laughs> but there is one which is rare to actually seeing and even rarer to get now. If you're a classic, you know, if you're a if you are a retro classic jersey collector. Let us know. But there's uh, Adidas, when the Socceroos were being kitted out by Adidas, there was a green and blue vertically striped away jersey, which looked sensational. I can't say I've seen it before. It doesn't come mm. to mind. Well, like I said, I am a little bit older than you, right? I'm stressing that just a teeny, <laughs> you know, a teeny bit older, right? So, a yeah, little bit. <laughs> just a touch. But, yeah, there's – so I'll see if I can find an image of it and, and post it on our uh, Insta just for reference, but it's it's an absolute kind of a jersey, to be honest. But yeah, uh, you know, rare to come by, that's for sure. Yeah, and mainly the soccer shirts I see in the wild are ones from 2006 onwards. Mm, yep. For obvious reasons. Correct. Uh, younger demographic, more recent. Correct. Bigger moments, sure. Um, but yeah, but you see more and more people are out there collecting classic kits. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a thing these days. Yeah, that it is. That it is, I... I do see uh, a few out and about, and uh, yeah, it's always good. And I have to thank you. A little bit. And I have to thank you. You did get me a gift not so long ago, and I'm very grateful for it, which is the old Newcastle Brown Ale, Newcastle United jersey with a round collar. So no, thank you very much. I don't know how you ended up with that, but uh, very kind of you. Courtesy of uh, Craig Jackson. There you go. Thank you, Craig, as well. He, does, he deserves a mention for that. Yes, he, do, he and, does indeed. Uh, yes, he does. And, he does. Um, I think we'll be talking about uh, his father a little bit later on in the show. Perhaps he might get a mention as well. Okay. But, uh, oh, being, right. Being a, a fan uh, of one particular club, but we'll come on to that a bit later on. Okay. Let me guess it's Spurs. But anyway, we'll talk about that no, later. No, no, no. No, no. All right. Okay. 
So you were saying about the Women's World Cup news. Yes, there's been a bit. There's been there a has, bit. But the big one I sort of circled in red when I saw it, mm. so to speak, is... In planning for this show, that is, it should be unplanned. <laughs> no, it's just something that I saw during the week. Oh, that'd be good to bring up. I'm making yeah, no, a mental it, note. No, a mental no, note. no, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> is um, the broadcast right steals in Europe? Okay, I've I've missed this one's missed my oh, missed attention it. this week. Yes, I haven't seen it because I have been keeping an eye on it as we've mentioned in previous episodes, but I haven't seen any update on it in the last couple of days. So what's happened? Disaster avoided. Wonderful. Is Good the headline because there've been the deals have been struck in the five major markets in Europe: England, Beautiful. France, Germany, Spain, and Italy, as well and- as a host of um, other countries as well. I think Japan was another contentious one there, but I'm uh, I'm assuming that they've that's been resolved as well. Obviously. I believe it has. I believe mm. it has. So mm. after weeks of back and forth and suggestion that we may not have a broadcaster in Europe for the biggest women's football tournament, yeah, as I say, disaster avoided. In the UK, it'll be on BBC and ITV, which yep. it absolutely should be. Yep. Free to wear for everyone. Correct. Provided you've got a TV license. <laughs> <laughs> which is a different kettle of fish over there altogether. I can't believe it that they've still got TV licenses. Oh, they've still got the Saturday 3 p.m. blackout, so... Oh yeah, go figure. Yeah, go figure. But yes, it's not a not a, a UK culture show. But uh, yes, great to see that the uh, the rides have been agreed for those markets, and maybe there's a there was a bit of a coming together with the financial side of things, some sort of um, meet in the middle negotiation. Sure, I'm sure there would have been, but at least even if the number's not as high as FIFA or Mr. Infantino would have wanted, it's still a deal is better than no deal you forgot to mention him the way that he should be mentioned which is el presidente yeah. <laughs> yes el, el presidente el, yeah el presidente el Gianni. <laughs> yes so uh well you've had uh like angelica mentioned as well in our chat with her that uh, you've had the united states women's national team kick off a promotional campaign for the defense of the women's world cup which um is a kind of F you to the rest of the world and know your place and shut your mouth. Yep. It's arrogant and typically American. Anything different. Yep. Typically typically American. Indeed it was. <laughs> oh, indeed yeah. it is. And it, yeah. As yeah. I say, wouldn't expect anything different. They're here and they're here to win. Mm, yeah. I just thought of um of oh, what's that movie that the guys from Beavis and Butthead did where uh, there's a theme song which says America. Anyway. I won't say the rest. <laughs> a te- I think you know. I think you know the uh, the movie, don't you? Uh, yeah, Team America, World Police. Team America, World Police. Yep. That's the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We've got it, it off does echo that, that sort of it, it does echo that kind of feeling. Yeah. You think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Also, I saw a bus ad the other day for the women. Oh, you Cup. did. I did. They exist. They exist. Wonderful. Awesome. They're out there in the wild. I, the most exciting thing for me this week with regards to the Women's World Cup is, aside that we're five weeks away, is that Spain have announced their provision, provisional squad and Alexia Pateas is uh, ready to go. So well, she'll, question marks over how fit she is. Mm, there are, but she's, um, by all accounts, she's ready to go. So it's good to see the Ballon d'Or player. And I believe that she was uh, FIFA's world player as well, if I'm not mistaken. So it'll be great to see her on these shores. Absolutely. And look, maybe it's better for Australia if she doesn't play, but it's better for the tournament if she does. I think so it's I better for the tournament. Yeah. No, I agree it's with you. It's a good trade off. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree. Um, yeah. Was there any other Women's World Cup news specifically you had, Les? Nothing of note right now. I think, look, it's starting to it's starting to build up, right? I think that as we get closer, and I think next week it will be starting our previews and 
you know, a spoiler alert, we'll be focusing on Groups C and D in our first preview episode of the Women's World Cup. Yes, we're jumping the home groups yes. for the end, just like yes. we did for the men's in, in uh, October, November. That's correct. Yeah, we'll do the hosts or we'll do, obviously, the, the teams of interest to us, which are Australia and New Zealand, which are the hosts. But yeah, we'll we'll do both uh, in our last preview episode. But yeah, it, it's, you know, it's only five weeks away, Nathan. So it's going to start ramping up from next week on, I think, really. And, and the fact that you've seen a, a bus ad and, you know, that means that the digital, you know, the digital signboards and, you know, the promotional uh, paraphernalia will be around town very soon. So looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. And before you know it, it'll have come and gone. That's what, why I brought <laughs> that, up in, in the chat yeah. with Angelica that, yeah. yes, it has transformative potential, but really, but it's it's going to be here upon us and gone before we know it. Yeah, it's what we do with it afterwards that, that really is of significance and, and the influence that we can, as a game, have on community leaders and politicians to try and affect outcomes, which is what all this is about. And this is where you, you know, where we look at legacy. Right, we need to use the the power of this Women's World Cup and the power of football and the scope of the football family, if we can call it that, to influence the people, our elected representatives, which we don't do enough. You know, we've been found wanting in that area, and I think that's something that um, that that we need to address. Actually, there is something that has uh, caught my eye with regards to, and this has just come off the back of uh, the chat with Angelica. There is a. Harry Michaels actually puts uh, putting something together on the 25th of June, Sunday, 5 p.m. There'll be a live stream of, um, you know, where to for Australian football, right? And that'll be on LinkedIn and uh, YouTube and Facebook. And uh, it'll be hosted uh, by uh, Stephanie Brands. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And um, we'll see if we can give it a plug as well next week, as well, just before we, um, uh, just before it goes to air. But that'll, be uh, you know really insightful chat with regard to you know where people think the game will be heading uh, as a result of the national second division and the impact of the women's world cup yeah it'd be great to check that out next weekend mm. um laz elsewhere for uh, international news for australia shall we talk about the under 23s what a progression that is yeah i i, I watched it and i thought geez they played well against mexico in particular in the crunch match you know, yes, yeah, they... I was surprised that it turned out to be a head-to-head and not goal difference as the the uh, the first tiebreaker. I thought they needed another one to go yeah, through. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, that was really good to see. Really good to mm. see. And congratulations to them. Um, you know, first time really essentially together. And I think I believe the qualifiers are in September for the Olympic tournament for Paris next year. So yeah, look promising. It looks promising. Really is, and when you couple that with the idea that we should have won the first game against Qatar, I we agree. were unlucky not to. Yep, piece those three games together. It's yep. looking like a really fantastic tournament. And yes, it's not an under twenty three Asian Cup. It's not the it's not the Olympics. But as, take those two tournaments out. It's probably the most prestigious under twenty three tournament around. Mm. So yes, it's a glorified friendly tournament. But yep. really, this is there has some waiting behind this. And the under twenty threes taking yeah. on. Panama in yep. the semi-final. That's right. As an opportunity there to go through to the final. Absolutely. It's not a tournament that's played in vain, if we can put it that way, right? Yes, it is a friendly tournament, for want of a better term, but there is a bit of weight behind it. It is a prestigious tournament. It's been played for, for so many years, and it's great to have Australia involved in, uh, in in that tournament. And I know the under-18s have been in action as well, the, yes. the uh, boys, which has been 
interesting to observe as well. Did you see that first goal they scored against Portugal? Yes. What a goal. <laughs> what a goal. Yes. That, that's true. Straight away, Laz, I'm going to yeah. ask you, have you ever seen a goal scored by an Australian team of any age that's as aesthetically pleasing as that goal? I'm talking a full minute in possession, 23 passing sequences, confidence on the ball, riding challenges, breaking presses, and dissecting a Portuguese team. And yes, we won't talk about what happened for the rest of the game. They went on and won. Sure. But that's what I was going in to that say. Moment, mm. In that moment, they did break them down and they did create a fantastic goal. You know what, Nathan? Look, we've always got a bit of recency bias here as well. I would contend that the football that was played by the youth team, so the young Socceroos in the 1991 era, where you had the likes of Zelic, Bosnich, and goals, you go through that side. And it's, you know, and they made the semi final of the Youth World Cup that year, right? And we forget that as a game, and we shouldn't, you know, and they lost to the hosts in Portugal, right? That side. Almost got us to a World Cup in 1998, right? Because they had the, the the bones of that team in, you know, in in that World Cup campaign. So, you know, and and that was a golden generation of sorts that didn't go on, unfortunately. So, also, mind you, a lot of those players got pushed into the '94 uh, version of the Socceroos, and they faced Argentina in the uh, in the Continental Playoff, right? With uh, you know Diego Maradona coming back as you know, uh, hallowed saviour for Argentina in that that time after they had gotten thumped by Colombia 5-0 in Buenos Aires, right? So we had quality. We've had quality players for a long time. It, it's like we kind of forgot how good we were or at one point in time. And now we are starting to see the fruits of – we went through a dark period and now we're starting to see the fruits of, of good work being done. And it's just the start. And it was great to see. It was very aesthetically pleasing, I have to say. But um, let's not diminish the, the the players of the past and what they did and the football that they played because they played some awesome football at times as well. I, when I said that, I wasn't trying to diminish them. It's just the case that for a while now, I haven't seen Australian footballers and Australian teams play that style of football, create that sort of chances and adopt that style of play. It's been a bit more typically relying on the physical side of things and sure. slightly more direct. And the fact that you had to go back 32 years to find an example sort of speaks to the point. Yeah. Well, look, but also, Nathan, we also used to make Youth World Cups regularly. We hosted the 93 version of it here, right? And that's probably the emergence, if I'm not mistaken, the emergence of Kevin Musket, right? Um, during that time. We, I, look, the point I'm making is that we've had technically good footballers throughout the years, right? Now, there seems to be a bit more of a concerted effort at this point in time, which is really pleasing to see, is to get these footballers together on the park to play football for the national teams, right? And we're starting to see that in, in the youth coming through now. So am I hopeful for the future? Yes, I am, right? The previous decade probably left a, a little bit to be desired, and you can see where you know, we were trying, you know, obviously, the, you know, there was influence and in, in not, you know, being disparaging here, but we were trying to do a Dutch system, which is, you know, and try and get that, you know, and trying to produce a, a number of footballers who were competent rather than actually being adaptable and positionally aware and actually utilizing their, their physical capabilities as well and just enhancing their skills, right? So we're a bit unique here and, and we need to use one, there are, you know, our physical capabilities, which is, yes, we tend to run more, a lot more than what other nations do. But also, there's no reason why you can't be technical and run. They're, they're just my thoughts. but Yeah, of course, of course. And um, 
Yeah, essentially. I can echo everything you're saying. And it was oh, don't good argue. Feel free to argue. You don't have to echo it. Australia was shit years ago. <laughs> oh, look, we're in a pretty dark place. I mean, because all jokes aside, we were in a pretty dark place, youth-wise as well. And there are several yeah. people to, to that hold responsibility for that, right? Um, but I can see now that uh, it, there's a bit more of a strategic focus on getting exposure to the younger footballers and making sure that they're in the best position that they can be because there is no reason why historically we were able to make Youth World Cups, even though we're qualifying out of Oceania, and we should be able to do that now. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're seeing more opportunities for kids in the A-League as well. Yes, not enough. Obviously, we want more. But really, if you're not playing games at 18, 19, 20, you're not going to make it as a, as a top-level professional footballer. And yes, with some exceptions, of course, there's late bloomers. But for the most part, if you're still playing reserve football or not playing that much men's by the time you turn 20, let's be I, honest, it's not really going to work out too much too well for you. I disagree with you. You do? Yeah, I do. And look, don't forget, we had Clem uh, Morfuni on not so long ago, and we were talking about um, pathways, right? I think that there are footballers who will develop later. Yeah, there are some, of course. So, But I think the majority are those that need to be playing games once they turn 18. In first grade football, I would contend, yeah. well, okay, let's have a look at, there are kids that are playing in Europe, that are playing in in Serie B, in Italy, um, you know, uh, Premier League 2 in England, you know, Division 2 in France. Why not, you know, why not give those boys and girls opportunities as well if they're playing overseas at a higher level, right, in reserves? You've got to have a look at them because they're there for a reason. They wouldn't be just making up numbers from, a, from you know, if you're based in, if they're based in Australia, I can tell you that now. Thing is, when Australian players move overseas and they're playing for either B teams or under twenty three teams, it's just not the same. Train you can train as well as you want. You can have a sure. higher a level of training as you want, but the, at the end of the day, you need to be playing games and games against professional players, not just of your age group. And we're talking, but we are talking about youth development, right? So we're talking about eighteens, twenties, twenty threes. Yeah, and I okay. think eighteens, nineteens, twenties should be playing against other players up to double their age at whatever level it is. It shouldn't just be against other 18s, 19s, 20s because it's it gets a bit too safe. It gets a bit too samey. You play against the same players every week and it's just not good for problem solving on the pitch. It, I I believe that, say for instance, right, there was the argument that uh, Aaron Kunda was going to get a move to Bayern Munich. Yep. Right? Yep. Moving to Bayern Munich and playing reserve team football would be a worse move than going to join a a lesser club in a lesser league to not be disrespectful, similar to what we've seen with Jordan Boss going to Belgium. That's a much better move than going to Bayern Munich and playing reserve football. Look, I take your point. I just think that training, like I've heard professionals say that they've actually learnt more by training at a higher level, right, and playing in reses than what they have playing here, right? it, It depends. Everyone's journey is different. Right. So, you know, and everyone's development is different. So I, I would contend that um, as long as they're playing at a well established team and maybe in the reserves or whatever the case is, and they're under 18s and 20s, well, then pick them if they're good enough. Well, we're hearing Messi just scored a goal. I've just seen it. And um, <laughs> that's, I've, I've just seen it. And I'm just going, oh, my Lord, what a goal. Yep. Yeah. Take him <laughs> Two minutes. <laughs> there you go. There the you richest go. man in time. Miami now. Well, good luck to him. Good luck to him, and yep. he's going to do a great. He's going to do a great job there promoting MLS as well, and a few more details have come out with regards to that. 
that it has. He's the, he's, he's the highest paid athlete in Miami across all the sports, mm-hmm. which probably is not a surprise. Yeah, but yeah, getting all the the extra benefits from the Apple TV subscriptions and Adidas and what is it, twenty five percent of into Miami he can purchase. Yes, he can, and at a fixed price, and, and a right to open up a franchise, an MLS franchise. And how you know, and have other MLS teams actually contribute to his wage? Isn't that amazing? It, it's just insane. It's you wouldn't see that here. No, goodness, no. You would not see that here. Oh, I, I actually no. That's that's unfair. I'll tell you why. Because the APL have got this marquee fund, and if the marquee is of a high enough caliber, but obviously we're not going to attract the kind of players like Messi and and Ronaldo, right, or Benzema or Kante, or does the list go on? But anyway, <laughs> but obviously, you know, they're looking to attract players of a certain caliber and some brand and some name recognition. And you need name recognition in order to be a marquee, I think, and in order to get, you know, the other uh, the other teams involved and approve, you know, the uh, the disbursement of that um, that money. Yeah, when you're arriving, I think players can grow into a marquee status once they've been here. Like Milos Nigovic mm. is deserving of being a marquee player. Maybe not when he first arrived, mm. but he grew into that reputation. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, that's that's fair. That's fair. But um, Argentina are on the rampage against Australia at the moment, so let's just wait and see what happens. There was another decent chance there, so uh, it might not be uh, pretty viewing for the rest of the night for uh, the Socceroos. But, lads, the World Cup is up for grabs in this game. That's what I heard. We win this game, we take the World Cup off them. Who told you that nonsense? <laughs> it's like boxing, isn't it? Oh, stop. They're not putting the champion the defensive title in every fight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that sounds like an AFL journalist made up that rubbish. That's <laughs> oh, a bit of a joke. Bit of a joke. Um, but have you seen the trophy for this game? No, I have not. Should there, I have? Actually, there actually is a trophy. Well, look, let's let's go back to the start of this season, the season that just ended, the preseason. And there was a particular game that was played in Bangkok between, ooh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, two English clubs that are rivals yep. to one another. And um, I think it was Manchester United versus Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. And I, were, I think you might be right on that one. Right. Mm. And I think it was Eric Ten Hag's first game. And there was a trophy at the end of that game. That there was. Which was more like a spaceship. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I will say the trophy in this Australia Argentina game is not as elaborate as that one. Okay, uh, it's not a big plate with a replica of the stadium on it. The mm-hmm. starters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a more traditional cup. Okay, how big is it? Oh, it's it's decent. It's decent. Okay. It's about maybe like the actual bowl itself is. I don't think you'd be able to wrap your fingers around it. Okay, all right, fair enough. So is is it a poor replica of the world of the World Cup? No, that, no, it looks no, nothing like the World Cup. Look, okay, fair enough. It's like a, a box with a, a cup on top of so it. So it's not like Ronaldo's bust in Madeira Airport, for instance. No, no, that definitely not. Like <laughs> that looks nothing like him. <laughs> How many times do they get the sculptures wrong? Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, look, you've got to be really gifted for uh, to be a sculptor, that's for sure. Because mm. if you get it wrong, ain't coming. there ain't no coming back. No, but they always get it right the second time. So Yeah, they do, but that's if it gets commissioned. I wouldn't commission it, especially. <laughs> <laughs> but Nathan, tell me how you feel this week. You know, it's been a big week for you as a Manchester United supporter. Now, you know, realizing that you are no longer just the only sole treble holders in England. Your uh, noisy neighbours put pay to that and have finally broken their Yaya Toure curse and won mm-hmm. the Champions League 
and geez, what an opportunity lost by Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah. Who were the Look, better side for mine. They were the better side, as was Manchester United in the FA Cup final, but yeah, that's by the by. That's by the by. That's by the by. They weren't. They were second best in both cup finals, but they were still good enough to ride it out mm. and lift the trophies. And funny, Erling Haaland finishes the season with one goal in eight games. And it's the fact that you can close him down, but this team is just so good around him that you can't double mark everybody. And That's... there's always someone there to push up and pop up with an important goal Indeed. at an important moment. And maybe they had 12 players on the pitch with Lukaku at some points <laughs> in, in this Champions League final. I feel for him. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, the, he cops so much, Lukaku. And yes, maybe sometimes he brings it upon himself. Maybe his performances are—they they leave a lot to be desired. But yeah, going beyond what is expected and what is appropriate is uh, something all too common with uh, Lukaku. And mm. uh, interesting that he got offered a, a Saudi Arabian contract this week as well off the back of that game. Well, he should go over there and take the money. I think he should. He should. He should. But yeah. getting back to it, because I don't—I think people listening to this will want a bit more from me. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I deferred it pretty quick. <laughs> yes, you did very quick. <laughs> it's surprise. Um, like, you know, I thought I'd give you a free pass there, but yes, that's okay. No, it'll come back to me if I don't go back on topic. Um, <laughs> City, congratulations, Lee. Well done. Um, he I'll says be hearing re- from you soon. I'm sure. He, he says through gritted teeth. Yes. <laughs> Look, City, absolutely fantastic. There's no denying it. They're the best team in the world. There's probably a bit of a margin behind them as well for the next best team. And Pep's an amazing coach. He's uh, obviously in the contention for best ever in England and in the world. Um, okay. okay, I have a question about that, though. Oh, here we go. Okay. Here we go. Has Guardiola... Let me actually... No, let me start the question again. The way I'll pose it is this. Mourinho does what he does with Porto, right? Unfancied, completely unfancied. It wins the league, builds that team. They go and win the Champions League. They win the league again that year. Then he goes to Chelsea. I don't think Guardiola's ever been in that position similar to Mourinho. So is Mourinho's coaching feat greater than what Guardiola's is? Because Guardiola seems to me, and look, I, you know, can be much maligned for it. He's always had the tools at his disposal and he's always had big budgets to play with. Mourinho did not have that at Porto. Look, if you're talking about one-off achievements, maybe winning the Champions League with Porto is greater than what Pep's done at City this season. I don't know. Maybe. But really, I think it would take away from what Pep has achieved with the City team. If we sort of compare it to other coaches and other managers and their feats, if you're dragging up the great achievements of past managers, I would also throw in the mix Sir Alex Ferguson's European Cup with Aberdeen. Yeah, that was and a huge success, no doubt. In Scotland. Absolutely. Is Absolutely. that a bigger achievement than City winning the treble? I don't know. I don't know if it's a bigger... No, I'm not saying it's a bigger achievement than... It's a bigger achievement than City winning the treble. What I'm saying to you is that twice Pep has won the, the Champions League, right? And they've both been with effectively super teams without lack of resources, effectively. Right? I mean, so much so that it's actually cost Barcelona, you know, their future now. Right? So whilst the and this Manchester City side is so well resourced, it's beyond comprehension. So the, when he's given all the tools and and able to buy, you know, spend a hundred million pounds on on buying Grealish from Aston Villa, for instance, my point is is that Mourinho didn't have that luxury. So which is the greater coaching feat? To win no manager in the history of football's ever had that luxury mm. of not only the funds available because other clubs have funds like that available, and it's happened for years though too. It to has, and what Pep's been able to utilize the city is that not only is he able to go and spend more money on more great players, but they were already the best team 
in the league last season before they added Harland. Correct. It's the fact that he's allowed to not only replace players that he's previously bought. Like when he first arrived, he had a look at Joe Hart and said, get on your bike. Don't want you. See you later. Yep. Brings in Claudio Bravo. Yep. Doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years later, he's like, don't want him anymore. Bring me Edison. That in itself is not something that a lot of managers are afforded to have. No. Where you buy a player. Okay, that's your player. I already bought you a goalkeeper. What do you want another one for? Agreed. That, That is a common thing so it's also the the churn of personnel i don't quite like this guy let me get this guy instead that's not something that other managers get afforded Mm. and yes it's a similar argument to um other sports particularly motorsport where you have the best drivers in the best car is it the car is it the driver generally for mine the best managers and the best players end up with the best teams and i don't think it can be really used as a detractor but yeah the city team is brilliant winning the treble united will always have the first and United doesn't have an asterisk, and United didn't have 115 charges against them back in 99. <laughs> oh, stop. But... Cry me a river. <laughs> that, yeah, it's our grapes, of course. That's how it comes across us. But um, look, there's no denying it. And the uh, the criticism or the, the jibe, is probably a better word, thrown to City was always that uh, United Big Club, you haven't won a European Cup. Well, now they have. You never win three in a row. You never win a treble. Well, boxes have been ticked. And... Uh, the two Manchester clubs, the only teams to have won the treble in England. That's true. This is true. Um, Liverpool- other trebles have been done in England. Liverpool have won a treble. Yes, they have, but yeah, without the league. Yeah, not the treble. Not the treble. The treble, the European Cup, Stroke Champions League, the league, and the FA Cup. They've won a treble, which yes. was all cup competitions, which is, a you know, no mean feat. Shouldn't be sneered um, at. It was really good. Mickey Mouse treble. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. But Les Pepper said that well, the belief is anyway that Pep is uh, leaving at the end of his current deal, which expires in two years' time. And that'll be the end of Manchester City. No, not quite. But look, do you think he'll stick to it? Yes, I do. I think he will. I so think he will. What does he hope to achieve in two seasons' time that he hasn't done already? Um, maybe another triple. <laughs> you've fallen off. You've, you've gone <laughs> silent on me. <laughs> the third uh, of it's like two. Uh, don't say that. Two. <laughs> yeah, two. The thought of four legs in a row is uh, unbearable enough. Yeah, I, I don't see Manchester City dropping a league till uh, Pep actually goes. Oh, don't say that. Don't say five at a row, Lars. Mate, it, it could very well happen. How, look, uh, I mean, you know, we're going to turn this into an EPL chat. But, yeah, I can't see how it goes, how it doesn't go any other way. Oh, I really can't. I really can't. You know. It, I don't know. Maybe they, they're just, the they're just too good. The because they've climbed the mountaintop. No, no, they're just too good. They're just too good. Um, look, Harland has add, added something to that team and... and Pepper's obviously relented and, and figured out a way to actually get Harland to suit his team. Um, they're just incredible. Did you know that, that there is a member of the City squad that's actually completed football at the age of 23? Yeah, Julian Alvarez. <laughs> Let's just go through his list, shall we? Go on. It is just absolutely insane. First time played in the Argentinian Cup, won it. First time played in the Recopa Sudamericana, won it, which is like a Europa League, or, you know, effectively. First time played in the Copa Libertadores, won it. First time played in the Copa America, won it. First time played in the Finalissima, right? Which I don't know if it ever existed before. You know, excuse my ignorance, but yeah, they won it. It existed, I think. I think, I think in some form, yeah. Or something. Yeah, in some form. But I, was it called the Finalissima? I'm not sure. Maybe it was. Maybe not. I'm not sure. First time played in the World Cup, won it. First time played in the Premier League, won it. First time played in the FA Cup, won it. First time played in the UEFA Champions League, won it. Effectively, he's, he's done it, right? The only thing that's missing there is really a, a, is a League Cup. Gee, but what a poor, does it, does what a poor re- resume. 
Does it really matter? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Does it really uh, matter? You're also missing a UEFA Super Cup or a uh, community well, and, shield, and, or? and the club. And well, he hasn't played in that yet, and ah. he's <laughs> and he hasn't played in the cup in the cup um, in the club World Cup as yet. I wouldn't put past City winning all those as well. So just insane. Are City just going to win everything forever now? Oh, not forever. Until Pep leaves. Until Pep leaves. But that's just incredible. At the age of 23, thank you for coming. Like, now you can be on your way. <laughs> yeah. Now you can go to Newcastle United or Real Madrid. Oh, jeez. One of your teams, of course. <laughs> of course, because uh, we have a small matter to discuss. We finally had the signing of Jude Bellingham. Yeah, at long last. becomes at the long last. The uh, second most expensive Englishman ever. Yeah, I believe so. Depending on your source for numbers or yep. whether you include add-ons or not, I suppose. But the guy's but, still 19, less. And that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. I saw a stat, which is interesting, and I'll, well, it'll kick off a different discussion. But mm-hmm. by, when he turns 20, yep. he will have played 30% more football than Wayne Rooney did when he turned 20. Right. Uh, as in first-team football? Yeah. Okay. Right. And the question off the back of it is, we saw how much Rooney dipped off towards the tail end of his career. Yep. Right? He sort of faded away a little bit earlier than other footballers would who came through a little bit later on mm-hmm. in their development. Yep. Jude Bellingham, we see him strapped up a lot of the time. His knee, his thigh, whatever. Do you worry that come 27, 28, he might be a little bit banked up and not the player that uh, we would see in the meantime? It depends on how well they keep him. And you and I have been fortunate to go to Madrid and we've seen the the training ground, uh, Valdebebas, and, you know, we got an insight into the facilities that they have there and, the you know, second to none, second to none. So he'll be well looked after there. He's going to the best club in the world, bar none, bar none, right? So he'll be well looked after. And look, it depends on the attitude of the player as well, right? Because Eden Hazard had that, was afforded that same opportunity. Yeah, and Tony it, Cruz had his thoughts on that this week. Yeah, and what did Tony Cruz say? Uh, Tony Cruz, uh, he's got a podcast. It's a shame it's in German. Otherwise, it'd be worth a listen each week. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, we're saying that uh, they, Real Madrid, had signed expensive players in the past and uh, not living up to their potential. And his words got a little bit misconstrued, saying that uh, careers come to die when you spend a big money like that. And look, But essentially, when you are on a massive wage at a big club like that, some players take their foot off the gas. And has a- So it's on him. Was yeah, and Hazard maybe didn't take care of himself well enough, and and his that, time is Real Madrid, yeah, and yeah. essentially it comes down to the player and the club mm. for discipline in terms of sticking to a diet, not punishment. But um, it's just yeah, it's to your point that I personally don't know if we'll see Jude Bellingham playing at the highest level when he's thirty-five, like we're seeing with Cruz and Modric. Mm-hmm. Modric's performance this morning was unbelievable for Croatia. Oh, we'll, we'll get onto that. No, do we have to? Yes, we do. <laughs> but I don't think we get, when Jubelian gets to that age, I don't think we're seeing anything like that, if he's even still playing. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Don't be so sure about that because if, look, the kid is obviously very talented, but he's obviously got a great head on his shoulders as well. And he's obviously quite disciplined to actually reach that level. Think about it. Real Madrid at 19, right? And he'll... In two years, two to three seasons, within two to three seasons, he'll be running the midfield. And will if probably, not sooner. If not sooner. And will probably be captain. Yeah. At some point in the future of that Real Madrid side. And he'll be England captain as well. You know. So yeah. um, if he does the right thing and looks after his body, look at Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. People can deride him what he likes. The guy is, play, is however old he is, right, and playing, yes, it's the Saudi league, 
but it is a professional league, right? And the champion, the club champion of Asia tends to come out of that league more often than not already. So it's got to be a somewhat decent level. We're not comparing it to Europe in any stretch or form, right? The fact is, is that Ronaldo could go to MLS today and still cut it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... I'd also say Ronaldo's a bit of an exception to the rule. Why? Because he just happens to have great genetics. No, because he... No, 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 because he dedicates himself beyond any other footballer normally would. And if Bellingham and if Bellingham wants to play at age of thirty-five, if he chooses to do that, right? Yes, he's got to be lucky with regards to injuries and stay injury-free. But when he does get injured, he needs to do the rehab and come back bigger and strong, like you know, better and stronger—not necessarily bigger, but better and stronger—than uh, when he left or when he did get injured, right? And that's what Ronaldo did. Ronaldo didn't suffer many injuries, to be fair, during his career. There were a couple of spells oh, no, there. There yeah, were a couple no. of spells there, but when he came back, he came back in really top fit, you know, top fiddle. Yeah, my point with Ronaldo is just more not necessarily the rehab stuff, but it's just every day fiddle yeah. unfit. It is dedication to a diet. Yep. And things like boiled chicken and rice every day. Yep. Hey, yeah, it's monotonous. I get it. Mm. Right? Yeah. I find I find drinking water boring, but <laughs> it's got to be done, right? Mm. Because our bodies but, are seventy percent water, so it needs to yeah. be done. But did you see the Real Madrid kit drop? It's different. It's, it's a different kit. It's a beauty. It's not bad. It's not bad. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And um, I've seen that uh, Castore have become the provider to Bilbao to your Bilbao. Oh, I haven't seen overnight. That. Yes, yes, that hmm. uh, that dropped out in industry news as well overnight. So Castore will be the kit provider to Athletic Bilbao. I don't. I, I don't mind New Balance. No, I think Astoria would be a good fit for, for, like, for that club. They're a, you know, a bit of a niche provider. I mean, they're at Newcastle United at the moment, and mm. they seem to uh, capture the the kind of clubs. They're very selective in, in the clubs that they uh, go to, I think. They're at Wolves as well, no? Yes, they are. Mm. Yeah. So And Rangers in Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because this is the time of the year for all the kits when they come out. I saw Correct. one from uh, Salzburg that dropped during the week. It I haven't seen that. away kit. It was all black with gold trim. Uh, of course, they're sponsored by Red Bull, and <laughs> the Bulls were in full gold on the middle of the shirt at the front. Okay. It looks pretty good. Good. I'll have to keep an eye out on that. It's uh, up on the Twitter, I think. But let's sure. let's go to your you know, Nations League chat that you want to have, and how good Croatia- I don't Croatia- want to have this. You want to have this. <laughs> and how good Croatia were this morning. Oh, yeah. They do it again. Just tell you us go about to extra time with Croatia, yeah. and you go- you're going home. Yeah. Tell us about it, Nathan. So the Dutch took the lead early doors and generally playing all right. I think um, playing Perisic at left back in the back four leaves you open for uh, uh, exposure. And at times the Dutch did pretty good at that. But really, Brozovic, Modric and co were just so good. How Brozovic is still going, how Modric is still going is beyond me at that level. Brozovic played the Champions League final four days ago. Yep. Comes to Croatia. And played well. Hosts. Yeah, played, played well. so well. Yeah. Played so well. And... The Dutch pop up with a, a very late equaliser, just like they did at the World Cup against Argentina. But uh, penalty is the undoing once more. Not a shootout, but from the spot. Yep. Yep. And really, I think, yes, he's the captain, but Virgil van Dijk, his days are numbered. I think so. If they haven't been counted down already. Yeah. He's just not yeah. the same player since his big injury. No, that's true. That is true. Yeah. No, that is true. I've and that happens. Many times. To, yeah. And that, I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth there. That happens to so many players, unfortunately. Yeah, and in that case, it was a scenario where the game shouldn't have even been going, mm. if you remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I do. Player was yeah. offside. Previous season, the lineup would have flagged it immediately, but play goes on, Pippa comes out, 
dives Clean, in his leg and cleans yeah. up, and that's it. And uh, yep. cleans him up, unfortunately. Which was always my concern with that rule when they changed it. Someone would someone would get injured. Makes sense when yeah. everyone knows the game should be stopped. It 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 just makes sense, doesn't it? Seriously, like you know, offside, just put the flag up. I mean, that's what the convention was for so many seasons. But then, unfortunately, you have this happen. Yeah, and I'd rather live with a few incorrect decisions than risk the players in moments where we all know the game should be stopped. So anyway, um. Should we talk about your mob, Manchester United? Oh, I wasn't I mean, going to bring them up. Let uh, have all the backpeggers know this was yes. not me that's brought them up. No, that's true. <laughs> Today it happens to be me. Although we did mention that, you know, Manchester United uh, are no longer the only treble winning club in the UK, but that's okay. You're just saying that to rib in, aren't you? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Take every chance that I can get. <laughs> so Manchester United shares hitting a two-month high on the, on the uh, speculation about the takeover. This story is ridiculous. <laughs> is it? This is this is modern society in a nutshell. Oh, dear. I can't believe this story. I mean, I can, but just the absurdity of it is crazy. Yeah. It looks like the Qatari bit is going to be the favoured one. No. Sheikh Jassim. Yeah. Have you seen this story? Like, the follow-up from it? No, I haven't. So, because as so, of as of uh, this morning, it was Sheikh Jassim, but now if you're telling me something different, let's go. Well, that story with the, the price on the stock exchange, yes, that came about because there was a Qatari company who tweeted something along the lines of, Sheikh Jassim has won the bid. Yes. But that, that tweet came from a guy in Cardiff who was just making a joke on Twitter. Oh, wow. So it wasn't Fabrizio Romano. <laughs> oh, and he paid for Twitter blue. He got a blue tick. And oh, wow. For, off the back of that, the share price goes up a lot. Wow. And everyone thinks that Sheikh Jassim has won the bid. But it turned out all to be a bit of a ruse. Bit of insider, tra- bit of created insider trading. So somebody could have just gone and said, I'll I buy these shares. That yeah. Some guy making a tweet can have that big an impact on the share price. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely Amazing. incredible. Did you see the other one in that vein this week that someone did the same thing on Twitter, having a blue tick and it was for a pharmaceutical company and an impersonator? No, right. They said they were they're going to make insulin free. <laughs> oh, God. Right? And the price of that company... Tanked massively. Wow. 6% of the company's worth Yeah, wiped and, off. And then? It was it just came, a joke tweet. It came out and then the share price went back up, I'd imagine. Yeah, slightly, but yeah. Slightly. Mm. Incredible, isn't it? Absolutely yeah, that's, insane. That's modern Twitter for you. Anyone can be anybody. <sighs> it's a bit of a cesspool, isn't it, Twitter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So did you see oh, yeah. that um, that the Premier League have, the Premier League clubs actually voted for a cap of spending as such? Mm, yes, I wanted to bring this up. Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. What'd you make of that? So the story is that they want some sort of anchor to the bottom team in the league and their TV revenue with a multiplier for a limit on how much big clubs can spend. So say the bottom team in the league from last season, who was Southampton. Uh, Southampton. Say, for instance, they made £100 million in TV rev from that season. You have a multiplier on top of that, and that's your... Salary cap limit for that for the next season. Correct. Be it three and a half times, be it four times, whatever. Correct. This is in a bid to make the league more competitive, to protect the competitiveness, you could say it that way instead, and amid some concerns that the likes of City and Newcastle and I guess if Qataris take over Manchester United, the spending power of those clubs would just move into a whole new level and the competitiveness, what's left of it, should be noted, evaporates. Mm. I appreciate where they're going, where they're coming from. I appreciate wanting to make it a bit more of a level playing field. It would also prevent some of the clubs being 
or coming up from the championship being too big of a gap, too big a jump. I was being uncompetitive from from the get go, and you're nodding your head against a brick wall trying to compete with these clubs. Yep, because the spending power is just ridiculous. That it already is the case at the moment, but mm. trying to protect what little competitiveness remains is important. But also, the Premier League clubs all, would always be in favour of something like this because TV revenue is going to go up, commercial income is going to go up. In turn, it would mean more money for the the owners. Yeah, because you're going to be paying by percentage, less and less yeah. on your playing roster. So I did see that any sort of hard cap like this or UEFA's cap, because they're talking about something similar, yep. would have to get a tick off from the players' union. I'd mm. be surprised if they signed off on it. He locally, yeah, I agree. I agree. In Europe as well? And in Europe as well. Yeah. No, you, you make a valid point there. Make a valid but, point. What What's an alternative though, Lars? I, I, want, to ar- I want to argue it, but I, I can't. Mm. See, I can't right now. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> because we want the competitive balance in the Premier League to be pretty level, as or as level as it can be. The, the only way that you get, pa- like, not parity, but the only way you get a competitive league, I wouldn't say, that, no, it's not the only way, correction, but one of the levers that you could pull, if I could use that forsake, godforsaken term from Barcelona, right, <laughs> is a salary cap uh, or a, and I know this is very American, right, but a draft. Right. So they're the kind of things that you can introduce into football, which would help with owners try and manage budgets and and the rest. Right. But you're talking about a significant cultural shift in European football. Other other continents would be open to it, but I'm not quite sure about how uh, the Europeans would feel about it, to be fair. Yeah, because we often see it with salary caps in Australia, where a good team, the best players, they all want a bit of a pay rise, and that squeezes out some other players. Correct. And in some instances, you see either youth players come through, club legends get yep. squeezed out because they want more money. Yeah, or that's right. they're being squeezed out by other players who want more money. Correct. Um, I wouldn't like to see that in football, per se. Like, example, a youth player coming through at Manchester United gets squeezed out, squeezes out because yep. other players want more money. That's not something I want to see. I agree with you. But at the end of the day, competitiveness might take priority. Yep. And owner's profitability is going to sign off on it. Yeah, I can see that working. But it's interesting how those, like, because things like salary caps and that, yeah, they all have a limit on how much you pay your players. Correct. Or you would have some marquee players that would be salary cap exempt. Yeah. Like, what's a what? Do you have another way in which football can increase the competitiveness or even retain the competitiveness without limit on squad value? Mm, that's a tough one, isn't it? Mm. It's a very tough question. Nothing that comes to mind. I'll have to sleep on it and see if there's something that comes to mind, to, you know, <laughs> tomorrow or over the weekend. But prima facie, I'd say no at this point. Yeah. It's an interesting discussion, though. It it's is. It's a tricky one. Mm. It's a tricky one. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. The other things that I kind of noticed this week, kind of, you know, kept an eye across, was that um, Fifth Pro says that players, female players, were placed at risk during the Women's World Cup qualifiers. I haven't seen this. In what context? So it's an interesting um, interesting position that FIFPRO have taken there, right? But they were saying that they were put at risk because of a lack of medical support and, and substandard working conditions, according to the Global Players Union, which infers that the provisions that are there for emergency and, and doctors and, and medical staff for the men's national team games are not there for the women's national team games, and they should. They should be there. Those resources should be there. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen instances where female players have had to get changed in portaloos and there's very much temporary sort of training facilities as well. 
things that you'd never see men's teams be using themselves. This is something that I think is slowly going to be eradicated from the game, these sort of half measures or um, Band-Aid solutions. Yeah. I think we're going to look forward to those being removed from the game. But in the meantime, it's a case of trying to stamp it out where we can and improve conditions and improve safety and medical things as well as the game progresses and moves forward. There's just more money floating around. No, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Hard to argue against that as much as I'd love to argue with you. You're not going to try? <laughs> no, no. You're making you're making sense tonight. It's maybe the Netherlands should lose a bit more, and you know, and uh, Manchester United uh, can see another treble, and mm. you know, maybe these things will help with your perspective. <laughs> I remember you saying something similar last week. I, prob- I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm just trying to ev- evoke a response. So it's yep. yeah, no, but it's it's quite interesting, really. It really is. So I've got um, here also that there's a story doing the rounds, and, and it, I know the ABC covered this off locally here earlier this week about sports betting uh, secret deals and the impact that um, it's having on local sport in Australia, and in particular football, which is a bit of a concern. But obviously these companies are playing royalties to Football Australia, so that's why it's you know um, not frowned upon, should I put it that way. Yeah, I mean... Any time a player gets caught up in some sort of betting scandal, whether it be match fixing or just having a bet themselves, everyone races to the to the panic button and say, can't be doing that, get them out of the game, life ban, these sorts of things. But also, and I'm not excusing the players that do get caught up in those things, yeah. I do feel some sympathy for those who have an addiction, but that's a separate point. Mm-hmm. Um, when in football and in wider sport, you see constant gambling sponsorship, constant reminders every time you watch sport every time you interact with the game online or elsewhere it is always there have a bet get a bet on agree and how can we expect people to not get caught up in these sorts of things when it is so in your face every single time Mm, very true very true we all want the game to have integrity of course and integrity in results and on the pitch i think that betting though should be restricted to professional sports and not semi-pro or park football for that matter probably should be i'm with you on that yeah i think that's where that they need to draw the line because i believe in new south wales you can bet on npl2 yes i believe so yeah Mm, not three no probably not for lack of um what's the word appetite no that's right i'm sure there's certainly to be someone there with a bit of appetite to try and do it (laughs) they you know but it's amplified because the european season has finished gamble responsible at the moment yeah, gamble yeah, responsibly if you are re- gambling, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, mm. There would be someone who would have appetite for it. I don't understand it at that level, but okay, you'd want to follow uh, you know EMPL three so closely that uh, in order for that to happen, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm not opposed to betting in general. I I'll bet on games, sure. I have a wager, but really, they need to rein it in. Mm. They absolutely do need to rein it in. Mm. And yes, they get financial kickback, whether it be Football Australia or the powers that be in this country mm. like, or around the world, government organisations. But, uh, yeah, it is too much. And you're right. Maybe they should ban it for semi-pro amateur football. Yeah. And just eat the loss. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So we didn't cover off the uh, other Nations League game that's going to be played tomorrow morning, though. Go on. Spain versus Italy. Who wins? Who does Croatia face in the final? I'm going to say Italy. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Mm. I think Spain haven't really recovered from a disappointing World Cup. Yes, they've got a new manager in still. they. I think it'll take a year or two for them to fully get back into the stride of things, have a new 
mm-hmm. might be new, but adjusted style. Yep. Use the new boss, any new players that come through. They still need a striker. Yeah. Spain. Um, uh, Italy, they just look really good now. Well, outside of World Cups anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired to the Azuri. <laughs> did you see the new kit butt? I did. Italy. I did. That's I saw nice. it yesterday. That is mint. Mm. That was mint. 125 year anniversary. Someone's done something brilliant there. That yeah. is really clever. Really clever. So no, it's 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 good to see. Um, are you looking forward to the Euro 2024 qualifiers, Nathan? No. Okay. <laughs> no. In a word, no. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it's rubbish. Yes. It's well, rubbish. When do they play international football if they get they get a chance to play during the season? No, but it's not international football per se. Well, it is international football. No, 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 no. My point, my, my my grudge is not with international football. Right, right. Okay. Yep. If you were to list the teams that I'm feeling for, I've got Australia top of the pile. Sure. Right. Yep. Rather than in a club side, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Sure. Um, but the point is, when I look at the fixture list and England are playing, who is it? Malta. Malta. And who's the other team they play? Is it North Macedonia? Yeah, I believe so. Right. I'm not, I'm I'm going to be honest with you, guys. I'm not going to watch the game. I won't be looking at the highlights afterwards. Don't watch England then. It's the same for a lot of the country. <laughs> I know. I take your point. I do take your point. Like, read me when it's tournament time or it's the final round of playoffs. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But who have Greece got? Fair enough. Greece. Oh, Greece. Mm. Are, oh, I actually have to have a look because that group there is just insane for the Euro 2020 qualifiers, uh, 2024 qualifiers, rather. Um, I know that they've got France in their group and, and the Netherlands, though. The Netherlands as well. And Ireland. And yeah. Ireland. So it, it is a bit of an insane group, to be fair. Mm. So, but um, I'm just trying to see who they've got there this weekend, if they are playing this weekend. I assume they are. But um, yeah, it's, I don't hold out much hope for the Greeks, to be honest. Look, you know, it's, you know, Gus Poyer is coaching them. And look, they've done reasonably well. So I think they've actually got Ireland, uh, Ireland on Saturday morning, our time. You would be hoping for three points at home. They should by rights there. They should. Speaking of great football, and then and then France, right? And then France three right. days later. Well, that's a tougher test. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that, that, that's probably the toughest test in international football at the moment. Yes. Yeah, in Europe anyway. Mm. But you were saying you were going to ask. Yeah, we didn't bring up. Um, with Angelica, Olympiacos. Why would we? Because she's an Olympiacos supporter. I, thought you I didn't know that. Uh, but, uh, look. <laughs> yeah. Why are you trying to bring up sore points for? <laughs> All right. I, I, okay. I mentioned Returning Manchester. Returning favour. Uh, yeah, I know. I was going to say, that's fair. I mentioned <laughs> Manchester United. Okay. Now you're trying to bring up a sore point. I get it. I get it. She's also a Manchester City fan. Yes, but I didn't want to bring that up. Uh, I didn't want to cause any more pain for you, Nathan. I know it's been a very, very tough week for you. I, I was going to contact you this this earlier this week, but I wanted to give you some space because I knew that all you'd be seeing is Jack Grealish on top of a you know on top of a bus yep. with yep. a uh, high vis singlet, and you'd be getting that on your Twitter feed all week. So I thought I'd be considerate and and give you some some space and some time. To digest, and the world hasn't, you know, the world hasn't come to an end. The sky hasn't fallen in. The sun is, is shining. The birds are chirping. It's been a beautiful winter in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, life moves on. 
Life moves uh, on. Yeah, see, and look, and, and that's the right attitude, right? Life moves yep. on. And then wait till they do it again next year. So, because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, you know, it looks likely, doesn't it? It looks yeah. likely. I mean, they're favourites for all the competitions. Of course they are. Mm. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I don't In- think really should would have blown under. Indeed. The entire week. Oh, no. <laughs> i tell you what. Um, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to him. But I'm surprised they still were at the same sort of level in the finals because we saw once they won the, the Premier League trophy, and yes, I know we're back on City. And I'm why, you're doing this to yourself now. And I if am. we're here for a counseling session for you, happy to, happy to, <laughs> you know, happy to go along with it. And let's just, you know, get this out, flesh it out, get it out of your system, and we can move on. But are you feeling better now? Have you, you know, has this catharsis taken place now? Have you got it out of your system? It's twice that we've mentioned it during this podcast now. Uh, at least. But <laughs> I, will, I will mention this. I, I have noticed um, that there have been some stories with regard to Istanbul and the hosting of the Champions League final and things not going so well as far as at the stadium, the cost factor, getting to, getting to and from the stadium because it is 17Ks out of the city centre, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in terms of Europe, it is, and they're used to, you know, having stadiums uh, or stadia centrally. So, and apparently it's quite difficult to get in and out of. So UEFA have balls that up again because they balls that up uh, last year with, with regard to Paris. And yes, okay, there was a change in venue, but the Liverpool supporters were severely inconvenienced and UEFA should have learnt lessons from there. And again, it appears as though they haven't learnt lessons. I think you should be using harsher language on your way, to be honest. Well, I can. I can. Well, no, I'd rather not right now because there's no need. The fact is that they've no, no, shown. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm but... not talking about swearing. No. I'm, oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not I thought you, I thought, I thought you wanted me to tee off that way, and, and there's no need. No, they've been incompetent. No, but... They've been incompetent, and somebody's dropped the ball there, right? And it's happened two years in a row, and they dropped the ball with the referee. Now you got me going. They dropped the ball with the referee with Anthony Taylor in the Europa League final, right? And the security around that, right? It's okay for all, all these people. And I get it. You need to travel private jets. Okay, that's fine. You're the executives. Great. Fantastic. You've got stakeholders that you need to answer to. Fantastic. And they allow it. Put your fingers out and get this right because you can't have these kind of experiences. People going to other, con- other countries and other cities in Europe and having this kind of experience. The Liverpool supporters were treated like absolute animals last year, right? They were blamed as well. And they were the, blamed sort of the again, point, yeah. right? And they were blamed again, right? You are not a Liverpool supporter, right? And, but you call a spade a spade, Nathan, and, and that's the reality, right? The French police weren't blamed, but they were the ones to, to blame because both be, between the UEFA and the French police, they balls it up last year. UEFA have done a similar job here again, but they had 12 months to fix it and they didn't. Yeah. Absolutely. And there was also issues surrounding drinking water at the stadium. How? Why? This, Honestly. This is something we saw in Spain 12 months ago. Yes. I remember in the Europa League final last season, there was no drinking water. In in, 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 in Sevilla, Seville, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah. With regard yeah. to Rangers and, um, and Frankfurt. Yeah. How is this allowed to happen? And that was a hot night. I remember th- oh, we were in, in Spain mm. that. Yeah. I remember that was yep. quite a warm evening. How does that allow it to happen? And Sevilla's hotter than Madrid. Yeah, I remember watching that game. Yeah, hungover, but that's a story for another. That's, pod. that's a um, that's a different story altogether, right? <laughs> we don't have to give away everything here. We said that game behind the curtain, but yes, right. But that's the reality. Yeah, exactly. And UEFA, you mentioned last year with the crowd trouble in Paris, the water problem in Seville, the issues this 
Champions League final. I, to be fair, them I don't know of any issues with the Commerce League final, West Ham and Fiorentina specifically. No, no, but and I'm sure there were. An- I'm sure, yeah. Uh, Anthony Taylor's problem for the Europa League, or the Anthony Taylor problem, not his problem. No, um, that's right. And yeah, what we saw in Istanbul, it's just ridiculous. How many strikes, how many chances do you get when organising a major sporting event, which the European finals are, not just the Champions League. They're all major events. All three are major events. It's that simple. And they need to be run like major events, but they're obviously dropping the ball somewhere. At what point are some heads going to roll for it? Because how many chances do you need? And how many times is time and time and time again that there's negative stories coming out of the event? I I don't understand how they don't get these things logistically checked off and operationally checked off prior to the game taking place. I really don't understand that. It, It baffles me. The only negative story coming out of the Champions League final should have been for Inter because they lost and for City because they won the treble. And that's a, the day the football died. Oh, <laughs> oh Nathan. I thought we got I, over this. I thought you're still, you know, but you're still obviously trying to get, you know, finish I'm your joking. catharsis. I'm joking. No, you're still trying to finish your catharsis. So that's okay. <laughs> I, know you, I, I know you've been fragile this week. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, but no, that's the point. It should be football stories that come out that are negative, not logistical stories or administrative stories. It's ridiculous. And Les, I'll ask you, it's it's not something that you can prove to me now, but James Lee final next season, would you bet against similar stories coming out next year? No, because it's likely to happen. Because they've proven time and time again that they can't get it right. Yeah. So what's going on? Nathan, I just shake my head because supposedly you've got very smart football administrators working in in these federations and confederations, and uh, sometimes they leave a little bit to be desired, if I can put it that way, and that's putting it mildly. And look, Alexander Seferin is the head of UEFA now, and he got re-elected recently, running unopposed, and these sorts of stories, obviously it's not him directly responsible, but he's the one in charge. He's the one in charge. The, The buck stops with him, doesn't it? It does. And also when he comes on other forums and talks about multi-club ownership and he's happy to push it through, uh, oh, I have question marks over his Now you've picked the sore point. Now you've picked the sore point for you. No, but like, it's, it's oh, just... I understand your point, bro. But Alexander Seferin, he talks a good game, he speaks well, but when you line up all the things in the last 18 months or so, things are starting to build up against him. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So... Do we go to Vietnam? Oh, sorry, no, Vietnam, they're on sabbatical again, aren't they? Well, what are you looking forward to, Les? Well, there isn't much right now, isn't there? I mean, aside from the Euro 2024 qualifiers, yeah, there's a bit of J-League and a bit of K-League. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be watching some of that. And, yeah, I will I'll be be, watching... and I'll be watching Euro 2024 qualifiers. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that, that'll make one of us. <laughs> Well, at least somebody's going to watch them so we can actually talk about them because if you're know if you refusing point blank now that the Netherlands are out of the Nations League, well, you know. Hey, I did like for the first seven minutes of the game they had the the Dutch commentary over the Optus feed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you understand any of it? Only the player names. Ah, (laughs) The clubs they play for. My Dutch is an Optus scratch. Fair fair enough. Um, enough. I'm looking forward to, um, obviously, as we mentioned before, down to 23s against Panama. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, tomorrow, I believe, as we record. So we'll know the yep. result by the time the pod goes out. Yeah, yeah, it'll be tomorrow night. Oh, it's tomorrow night. Yeah, okay. I think. I believe it's tomorrow night. Mm. And um, the under-17s Asian Cup kicks off yes. tomorrow night as well. Yeah. So Australia's playing against uh, Saudi Arabia, China, and Tajikistan on Friday, Monday, and Thursday, respectively. All games start at 8 p.m. Sydney. Tough group. On 
10 bold. Yeah, tough I group. I think it is. Or 10 play. Yeah, tough group. Won't be easy. We should be right. <sighs> we should be, but it won't be easy. But it shouldn't be easy, right? I mean... Wouldn't have it any other way. Exactly right. Exactly right. It shouldn't be easy. So, but good to see. A lot of pressure for uh, Nestor. Yeah. It's sort what of a, his squad. A, well, he's the focal point anyway. Yeah, he is. But what a talent. Yeah. What a talent. Plus, I'm also looking forward to MLS this weekend. Oh, shit. How, how could we forget about MLS? We haven't yeah. even spoken. I mean, we've spoken about Messi, but we haven't spoken about it for a couple of weeks. So, yes. Yeah. Talk to me about yeah. MLS because it's. I've got a couple of things that I want to mention about MLS as well. Oh, okay. It's a bit of a split round this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only a, a couple of games on, but the headline is for my Nashville against St. Louis. It's the yep. second in East versus hey, first in the West. You stole my thunder, damn it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. That's like, good. You can't blame me for stealing your thunder when you just present it to me in the most obvious thing that it could possibly be. <sighs> yeah, but that's okay. That's okay. What do you think the impact of Messi is going to be on the MLS, though? Oh, it'd be huge. That's what I think, It'd be too. transformative. Yeah, I would hope I so. I think I've been doing a, a bit of uh, listening to some pods and hearing mm-hmm. people speak from MLS, mm-hmm. from reporters, and comparing it to when David Beckham arrived back in 2007. Mm-hmm. And David Beckham's arrival will change the league from sort of like a, a two-bit league, be a little bit harsh, or the, but maybe that's what the perception was, and change it into a league that's more professionalised, got a m- bit more of a robust following, Mm-hmm. And grown it into what we see now. Yeah, Messi's arrival, if it's got the same sort of impact, which it probably will, mm. should change the league from where it is now in terms of a similar sort of position to what the A League is, where yeah, people who watch it every week they like the league, they enjoy it. There's a lot of storylines in there, sort of player movements and so on. But it's not taken as seriously as the European big leagues. I think Messi's arrival, no, it's not the Premier League, obviously, but it should have that same sort of process as some other leagues where it becomes a lot more serious and a lot more closely followed, more than just casually. It becomes closer to the likes of, I don't know, NHL or baseball, where there is, it becomes the fifth major league. Very good observations there. Very good. No, and I I agree with you, actually. I think this... Uh, again? Yeah, yeah, I do. Look, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a no-brainer, really. Though. The, yeah. the impact is going to be transformative. You'll become a household name, I think, in the States as well. You know, the demographic of the United States has changed. I think over you know well and truly over the last fifteen to twenty years, so you have got a lot more football loving people as well in the United States, and the fact that you've got this you know it, it works in well where you've got the World Cup coming to the United States and Canada and Mexico in in three years, and you know what better vehicle do you have to promote it than Messi in the MLS? Yeah, of course, and uh, I think I saw a stat that Inter Miami on Instagram shot up to. Uh, a certain amount of followers, which is higher than any other Miami sporting franchise. Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> and, and PSG yeah, just overnight. And PSG lost two million. <laughs> it's insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Absolutely insane. But um, there you go. There you go. PSG. Some strange people who are just fans of players rather than clubs. That's right. Yeah, but it does happen. You know, because that's why you have the followers of Ronaldo and and so on. Right. Yeah, same deal. Same deal. A strange bunch. So, Nathan, mm. you have some feedback from a listener with regards to our episode last week. Yes, uh, our mammoth pod last week. First up. I'm still recovering, by the way. Yeah, so are all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it was a heap of fun recording it, though, I have to say. But, yes, that was really I good. I mean, 
We didn't go into it thinking it would be a two and a half hour pod. Definitely not. It was just a big week. It'd be nice if some of those That's things right. from last week happened this week. So yeah. we, could, we could have split it a bit more. But yeah, correct. And hopefully everybody on. enjoyed it. And enjoy this episode as well. And uh, thank you to each and every one of you, if there are any of you that managed to get through the whole thing. <laughs> I'm sure there were. Um, but yes, our Harry Kane talk went on for about 35, 40 minutes. Um, it was posed to me that for Harry Kane, surely staying at Tottenham or at least staying in the Premier League and becoming the all-time goal scorer, taking over Alan Shearer's record, long-standing record, is a bigger carrot or a bigger achievement than going to Real Madrid and winning a Champions League or two and some league titles. From a personal perspective, yes, I can understand that. But they want to win a trophy with the team. I do. I would. Okay. I would. So I, I, I'm in a similar boat to you. I, I would want yeah. to, you know, contribute to a team actually having success, right? And the reward that goes along with that intrinsically. So look, there are players that, you know, that pursue individual achievements and individual records. I don't begrudge them that. But I do think that the te- that for Harry's career to be truly legendary in the sense that if he wants to add silverware to what he's already done, which is a very great, you know, which is a very impressive record. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I think he's got to go to Madrid, but I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening, especially with this new talk about Mbappe as well, right? Real Madrid was, yeah, yeah, and Real Madrid will submit a bid for Mbappe just for shits and giggles. Right, it's just what they do. Yeah, not exactly, but you know, there's a lot more science to it, but and there's a lot more purpose to that. that, But but the fact is, is that you're likely to have Mbappe have receive an offer for Real Madrid, and I think it's more so Mbappe communicating to the board of PSG they need to pull their finger out and actually try and do something with regard to this team because Messi's gone, Neymar's likely to go, Sergio Ramos is going. What is the plan? Because there appears to be no plan, and it no doesn't man- appear to be one, yeah. and no manager. Yeah, uh, we, it's we've seen that story before as well. A player applying pressure when there doesn't appear to be a real plan in place. And you're right; those great players leaving, those high-profile players leaving, you do wonder what the the future is for Paris. Is it linked to a Qatari takeover of Manchester United? I don't know. That's a tough one, but isn't it? That's a that's tough one. Tough one. Mm. And Nasser Al Khalifi got himself in the headlines this week on that front, saying it was a. He was uh, reportedly used as a bit of a mediator mm-hmm. for um, the Rain Group and the Qatar camp for the Manchester United bid. Right. That casts a shadow from the illusion that it is a, an independent bidder rather than a mm. Qatari state-backed mm. bid. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I wonder that if the Qataris do take over Manchester United, PSG are no longer their, their favourite toy and they're cast aside a little bit, perhaps. But anyway, we're talking about Mbappe going to Real Madrid. Oh. Playing alongside potentially Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham, Just, nobody eliminates and humiliates Real Madrid from the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, oh, just back to your point quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. Right, oh, that's yeah, totally makes sense. Now, with regards to this, I can't. You can't even call it a potential transfer. The only transfer that's taken place is Bellingham going to Real Madrid from Dortmund. Right, there's no offer, the formal offer that's been received by Spurs for Harry Kane, and there's been no formal offer received by PSG for Kylian Mbappe, right? So do both Mbappe and Kane go, and if they go if they go this summer, my Lord, if that were to happen, that would be something else, wouldn't it, really? But I don't know. I think both are unlikely, actually. Well, both their contracts run out at the end of this new season. Yes, they, that they do. That they do. Separate, but it's you know, slightly yeah. interesting on mm. that front. Mm. Um 
And it seems as though the position is that Daniel Levy wants to keep Kane no matter what happens and no matter what offer comes in, one season of Kane is worth it. Yep. Well, uh, fair enough. But getting back to the initial point we're making, Les, and I'll pose it to you, Mm -hmm. what was posed to me. There's Champions League winners every season, right? Yep. There's medals that get handed out 20-odd, 25, every season. Mm -hmm. There's only ever one Premier League all-time record goal scorer. Yep. And? Do you think How much ha- weight should it have? Well, hang on. He needs to ask himself that question now. Mm. He needs to ask himself the question, do I go and pursue individual records or, or do, do I go and try and win something at this level, you know, and win a – contribute to a team and win a trophy, a meaningful trophy? They haven't won a trophy. He hasn't won a trophy with Spurs. My, I, I suggest the only trophy he's won is probably a promotional playoff from with Leicester from – you know, uh, or in fact, I don't think he actually got. He was part of that uh, promotional team. I actually think what uh, when Watford knocked Leicester out was I think that. It, it was the that Forestieri Hog Dini goal. Yes, was it that? That's season? the that's the season. Wow, that's the season. Correct. Spurs DNA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But I actually think Kane was on the bench that day. Right. Yeah. To be fair, but yes. Um, and for those that uh, haven't seen, we're talking about Watford versus Leicester promotion playoff, second leg, end of injury time penalty saved by Watford. They get it up the field, you know, one swift play and three passes and effectively goal by Troy Deeney and sends the crowd into raptures. Just incredible footage on YouTube about that goal. And the commentary is incredible. And the commentary is incredible. Yes, it is. Absolutely. But we digress. Yeah, we digress. We digress. We digress. But... For Harry Kane, Back the best point. of both worlds is stay at Tottenham for this season, score the 50 goals you need, and then go on a free next summer to Real Madrid. That's yeah. the best case scenario. <laughs> I think Real I think Real wants someone. Mm. And they need to replace Benzema. Oh, yeah, and, they do. And, and he's a perfect fit. I don't think they anticipated Benzema leaving this summer. Not, not this summer, no. No, I think it was- no, a, I think the, they've been caught out. Yeah, I think they, were, they have been caught out. But that's- Okay, that happens, you know. So, that happens. And it looks like Kai Havertz is on his way to Arsenal. So I want him to replace Benzema. Which I don't get, but anyway. Yeah, I don't get it either. Because mm. I don't think he'd be replacing Gabby uh, Jesus. No. No, that's why. So well, there'll be knows? a system tweak there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So should we move across to Asia now and to the K-League? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. And the backpack derby last weekend finished up in a one-all draw. Yes, it did. That it did, Nathan. So uh, a decent point for both of us, really. Oh, I'm happy with that. Considering, yeah, the fo- considering the form that my team is, my <laughs> teams have been in, I should say. Mm, uh, but we're looking all right. We're looking all right. Yeah, look, in I this, mean, the uh, K League season. Well, in the K, as far as the K League is concerned, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, my team, Poang Steelers, were back in action on Sunday evening away to Incheon, who are ninth in the table, and uh, should be looking at three points. Yeah, they should. They should be looking at three points. Uh, hopefully, they can for you and for themselves. What about of course, your guys? As well. Well, yeah, let's go to my guys. Let's see what happens here. So Seoul FC are away to uh, sue on Blue Wings. So should be a comfortable win, but you never know. Football's a funny thing. That it is. That it is. Uh, Vietnam are still on break again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are back next week. Lazy bastards. <laughs> uh, Colombia this weekend. It's the last round of the Apertura playoff, uh, the group stage. And that. Our teams are not involved, so... Well, yes, we've both been eliminated from contention now, uh, so moving swiftly on <laughs> uh, to Japan. To Japan. 
And uh, your boys have got a new boss, Peter Klamowski. Yes, they do. The Australian in town. It's been a bit disappointing for um, Tokyo FC or FC Tokyo, whichever way you want to call it, over the last few weeks. But uh, having gone down 3-1 over the last weekend. But, um, yeah, the Cup uh, is on this weekend. So let's go to that and see who they've got there. It's Kyoto Sanga on Sunday evening our time so hopefully uh, Tokyo can get the chocolates there but and, um, uh, mm, uh, Kawasaki Frontale we had a wonder win over San Freccia Hiroshima last weekend mm. a good win and as you say it's the cup and we're away at uh, Sharon Belmare mm. it's a strange sort of format for the cup competitions they have like groups of four yes they do which is interesting actually mm. yeah so why it's not it's a bit like the uh, the pizza cup in England <laughs> the pizza cup. Yeah, the pizza cup. It, it was called. What was, it, what was it called before? It used to be called Papa John's, wasn't it? Yeah, the pizza cup. Yeah, Papa John's. Now, now it's the, the, the pizza cup. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's it's not. I don't think it's even called the Papa John's. No, anymore. I think yeah, I think they've uh, finished that sponsorship now. Yeah, uh, so they have a group phase at the start of it. Yeah, so, so it's a similar sort of format here, and um, yeah, hopefully uh, Kawasaki can get through to. Uh, the next round, the next phase of the competition, and uh, J League back next week. Yes, indeed, indeed. So the league back on in earnest next weekend. And um, yeah, what have you made of the Socceroos' performance so far, Nathan? It's been interesting. It has been interesting. I think we're doing pretty well, mm, generally speaking. Yeah, we haven't embarrassed ourselves, of course. It was a shaky start. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a goal in the second minute never helps. Yeah, but yes, they're doing okay. I think. And look forward to uh, the rest of this game because I think we're about to hit the back peg, Les. But indeed, uh, I think we have ge- hit the back generally peg. Generally speaking, I think Australia's doing pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think we have hit the back peg, like you mentioned. I want to thank you for your work and the huge edit that you did on last week's bumper episode. And I know that this week, uh, hopefully, it's a bit easier. But it's uh, it, it it's certainly will be. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if we played the bloopers, God help us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's been an absolute blast. And please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the back peg. And you can follow us individually. Uh, you'll find us there. Um, all our handles there, I should say, rather. And we want to thank Angelica again for coming on and um, being a guest on this week's episode of the pod. It was an absolute pleasure to have her on. And yeah, it's uh, five weeks to go to the Women's World Cup. So it's getting closer, Nathan. That it certainly is. And as we've been saying throughout this episode of the show, we're starting our World Cup previews next week already. I can't believe it. Mm. It's it's upon us. And it is. We'll do. We're going to do four four preview shows, two groups in each, and we'll get some good guests on hopefully, and uh, make a good run of it. Uh, yeah. Thank you everyone to um, thank you everyone who's checked out this episode. Uh, we appreciate all your feedback, good, bad, and in between. Uh, do leave us a review if you haven't already. Uh, We greatly appreciate it, and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks again, all. Take care.